Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you this day, God. We bless your holy name. We love you, Lord. You're amazing, wonderful, spectacular, the only. Lord, we bless you. We honor you this day, God. We're, we're thankful for salvation. We thank you for what you took us out of and what you've brought us into, Lord. You didn't just take us out of something. You brought us into something. So there's purpose in our salvation while we're here on earth. So we ask you again, God, that you would pour your spirit out on us mightily, God. You would pour your spirit out mightily that we might understand what you are doing in these days, God, by your word and by your spirit, so that we can be on time and in alignment with all that you're accomplishing. And we want to thank you for including us in this amazing adventure, God, the true magical mystery tour. Lord is saying yes to you. We say yes to you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, there's a probably a bunch of new people coming on or will be listening this week. Um, I met them through some other circumstances over the course of the last week or two. So I'm just going to run through technicals if you have my notes. And if you don't have my notes, uh, reach out to me. I, if, you're on my, if you're on the email list, you do have notes. But um, anything that's red or underlined or is bold, um, that's, because, that's for me. I mean, they're things I don't want to miss. And because they're verbal teaching notes, and I have a tendency to miss things anyway, that is mostly for me, but is it more important? They, they might be critical junctures. Um, when I have teeny type in my notes, it's so that those are things I'm typically not going to be speaking, but they're there for you because they're already on my clipboard. So do you have notes? No. You didn't okay, get no, notes? No, okay, you'll get notes. Oh, there you go. Did you check your email this morning? Um, no, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so also... <laughs> Okay, so I, I fear God sufficiently to not try to dance around something that I would consider or someone would consider as being too difficult. So therefore, um, I'm not, if I blow over a scripture or three, a verse or three, I was going to say it's not because it doesn't agree with what I'm trying to teach. It's just for time's sake. So, so deal, work with me there. Uh, please add our email address, the EC3728, to your allow list if you can. Um, because we have three email lists that I send out. I send, I have like three, they're all, it's alphabetical, but we're getting snagged by spam fault because we're sending it out to so many people. So you're catching us, if you're new, down a prophetic road in the Daniel study, which also is down the road in this group study. We did Isaiah, we did Gog and Ezekiel in the conclusion of the age. We looked at Jacob's trouble. I, I welcome you to go back into Spotify or iTunes or Podbean, which is a free app. They're all free, and you can subscribe to it. You can go back and hear lots of stuff that sometimes I speak about sort of casually or quickly, but it's an in-depth there's, there's way more there. The whole book's written spectacularly by God, breathed upon by God. And when you connect the dots, it gets even way cooler than just even reading a verse or a chapter. So, so last week we didn't finish notes, so I'll touch on those. And I spent a good deal of time last week speaking about the Holy Spirit, which I will be addressing again this morning. And again, it's like I've said, this is not a get-out-of-knowledge-free card. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to live in the Spirit. You know, I don't have to worry about what the Bible says. I'm a pan-millennialist. It's all going to pan out. Well, it will pan out. But God wants to include you. 
And so he's invited us to press in. You know, people talk about the Bereans. It was a church that you know, had an honorable way of pressing into Scripture to see whether the things spoken to them were so. So God wants us pressing in. So in that pressing in really is a reward. You just press in and don't, you know, Satan is constantly saying, don't read your Bible, don't pray, don't fellowship, don't go to church, don't do anything he told you. And, and I've said before that, um, you know, fake news began in the garden. The break between man and God began in the garden. And it started with fake news. And, it's in, and up until the time that Jesus returns, we're going to get more and more fake news. So that's just the way it is. Um, it's required of us. I believe everything that God has for us, you want. We've walked through 2,000 years of a church that is fundamentally weak and not doing greater works. You could just look at, I mean, look at what we've seen and look what is going on in church. And I'm not damning church. I love church. We're church people, and we believe in attending big gatherings and little gatherings and with two people or 2,000 people. But the, the point is, is that everything that God has planned for us, Satan wants to dissuade or distract from. He wants you to be offended. He wants you to lay hold of an offense. We have a friend, we've mentioned it before recently, who said, I'm tired of leaving. I'm not leaving another church because of offense. <laughs> that's like a, that's a, that's like a major, that's a major breakthrough. You know, can you survive on your own? If you're John on Patmos, you'll do fine, you and Jesus. But the reality is, unless God puts you in a one-on-one -on -one situation, we're called to desperately need one yes. another. Yes. Desperately need that. And, and the writer of Hebrews said, so much the more as you see the day approaching, saying, you know, that's a, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That was generation one of believers, and they were already offending each other. So church offense is nothing new. In fact, God uses it to craft Christ in you. So it's really, really critical, really, 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 that we're praying, that we're praying people. There's things that you will not get out of Scripture unless you're praying. There's things that you won't get out of praying unless you're in Scripture. If God has it for you in, in the Scriptures, you want it. It's not like, you know, the buffet. Well, I'm not comfortable with this or I don't like that. If it's provided for you, you know, having done all to stand, what? part of all don't we understand it really comes down to it. is some of it uncomfortable you bet it's absolutely guaranteed uncomfortable so we want to know how God thinks and works as opposed to how man thinks God works or how man thinks God thinks we have a tendency to in essence try to at least adjust God maybe not create him in our image but at least adjust him so he fits our culture and that's why so many people have a trouble because they read scripture with a Western lens. And it's a, it's a, it's a Middle Eastern book and it's, and it's written by Jews, not only for Jews, but it's written for everybody who would come into the household of faith. And so we have to learn God's ways. And this is why he talks about our minds being transformed so that we could think the way he, he thinks and operate the way he operates. And it was a huge... Um, it was a huge breakthrough for me a couple of weeks ago when, when and I have it again. Um, oh, I will get to it really soon. But in John 16, when he says, when he, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict the world, basically, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's going, when the Holy Spirit is in you, you get shown by God in a very loving matter, manner that how the world thinks is wrong, which is why the world hates Christians. 
because we're stubborn, we're narrow-minded, we're nearsighted, and the reality is, no, God just revealed something to He's actually revealed a better way. So it's, you know, when someone hasn't had an experience, and I said it last week, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And once you've had the experience of Jesus, it doesn't matter what anybody tells you, you know he's Lord. Our pastor, the guy who founded the church, that the revival church we got saved in, right after he got saved, some Jehovah Witnesses came to his door. He was living in a hotel. And they came in with their Bibles, clean cut, smiley, and they're sitting down, and everything's like kumbaya for a couple of minutes, and they start getting into their teaching because that's their agenda and they're starting to tell him you don't know that you're saved until you get to heaven and he looked at them like a new convert and said well it's too late i already know <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's things that there's this is an experiential gospel that we're in and it has to come by a spirit infusion in your life and you know it's amazing there's even the writer of Hebrews speaks about baptisms when he's talking about maturity. I want to say it's like Hebrews 6. He says, we'll, we'll go on from the fundamental principles. And if you look at the fundamental principles that the writer of Hebrews lists, most of them aren't even discussed in church. And they're called fundamental principles, like laying on of hands or baptisms. It's plural. I believe he's talking about the water baptism, and he's also talking about the Holy Spirit baptism. Mm -hmm. It was an assumption. A lot of the things that are lightly covered in scripture in the New Testament, it was almost assumed this is like the foundation of our faith, but the enemy has been very successful in trying to push the Holy Spirit out of church, which is why we looked recently about the concept of blaspheming the Holy Spirit as being a greater jeopardy than blaspheming Jesus or God because it's religious people who blaspheme the Holy Spirit. The ones who said Jesus had a devil, and a lot of people think we have devils. Well, they're going to meet our glorious King Savior someday, and every knee will bow. But until then, that's the story of life here on earth. And you will not please man. You can, you'll can either please man and, and offend God, or you'll offend man and please God. So you don't have to look to offend, but here we are. It's interesting, because the whole concept of the baptism, it goes it goes all the way back to mikvah, which is, a, which is the Hebrew uh, purification bath, if you will, and they always use fresh waters, they always try to do fresh waters, it's not like baptistries, if you go into church, some of them look like, man, when's the last time you clean that thing out, but but it, they, they try to get fresh water flowing through, and I, I actually did, I did a little online search, and I found something this morning about an 11th century synagogue in Germany, it's, it's probably more than you, it's well written, and it's cool, has funny cartoons in it and all, but it's very accurate, it tells you a lot about the mikvah, but when the scripture talks to the first generation saints as a baptism, they totally got it. Baptism is just is a Greek word, but the storyline is mikvah. The Jews totally got it. So they were talking to their audience. So here we are. Um, remember, Paul, in saying, chase God with everything in you, uh, have them like meaning having the mind of the Father. Paul tells us in Corinthians, imitate me as I go, just as I imitate Christ. Jesus, it doesn't mean you do what he does, but he's saying his model of life was chasing God at all, all cost. And the things he did was, he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Could you imagine if that was, could be our ministry? Instead of us trying to be creative. I mean, I am, I'm creative. I mean, I'm an inventor and I got lots of patents and trademarks and copyrights. And all. So you know, people say, oh, he's creative. I don't want to be creative with my walk with the Lord. I want to, I want to be affirming and I want to say yes. Because nobody's more creative than the creator. Right. 
And if you know anything about Robin and my story, but when we got saved, it took us six months to surrender to God. And, and she bought into one lie and I bought into another one. And mine was, I'm creative. What am I going to do, sell little key fobs with leather crosses on them? I couldn't imagine what I could do. Okay, like, so 160 patents later, I can imagine now what God might do. But it got to the place where I said, I had to lay that down. I had to lay that down and say, God, if I can't be creative, I know i got to serve you. And he's inviting us to lay our lives down. And that's, like, that's where it starts, actually. Wigglesworth used to say that um, when you get to your end, God can begin. Yeah. I love that. Okay, John 16, I said it already. Nevertheless, 16, verse 7, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He makes a big deal, a big deal about the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. That's the hierarchy. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus dispatches the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. It goes on for our sake. We've covered that in the past few weeks. But he's going to show the world that they're wrong. And a lot of what's going on in church over 2,000 years, and I'm also saying synagogues for 2,000 years would have really been in a pickle, de denying their only Savior. I mean, look what's happening now. It's deny the Savior and what, what's going on. It's, it's, it's a tough road for, the, the, for Israel right now. We're called to pray for them, understanding the tough road. But they have to get to Baruch HaBab Hashem Adonai. And they're far from that. Nova, like I said before, Nova was, that festival was like, um, it was like Burning Man. It was like the kosher version. It was the Jew, it was the Israeli version. It was New Age, it was Buddha statue. It was, I mean, it was horrible. And then on the other side of the coin there, they have ultra-orthodoxy, which raises eyebrows at everyone who's not davening like they're davening. So it, it's a mess there. And they need to come to the one and only Savior. So what we have going on right now is the Holy Spirit is convicting, he's proving men wrong, and he's addressing naturalism and humanism and the fact that the God's ways are holy and our ways aren't. And many of, the, many of the things that go on in churches are well-intended. It's not like everybody's evil if they're getting it wrong. And sometimes when God moves upon a person, they end up either leaving a church or, or getting asked to leave a church. We know a woman who had a radical powerful experience of God and basically got booted out of church. Just got booted out. They didn't want that because it, it was, there was a jeopardy attached to her. She was going to upset the status quo. Jesus was all about upsetting the status quo. And we love organization. We're wired actually to love organization. If you're in a, if you're in a career where you measure and cut, you measure twice, you cut once, you get a, one of the one of the guys here is like super accurate contractor, amazing craftsman. But you think, you, you know, you learn, you better measure, you better be careful. But at the same time, there's a place of saying yes to God that's guaranteed sloppy. It's guaranteed messy. It'll be perfect when it all comes out, when it finally works. But so we have this challenge and the challenge is to be filled with the Spirit. I am getting us up to Daniel 9, trust me. <laughs> I, no, I will, be, but, but I want to build a, a, yet a firmer foundation on this. Even that we come here being filled up, being prayed up already, being filled with the Spirit so we can understand what's going on here. I 
and I'm not saying this again as a get out of jail free card, meaning you don't have to learn anything about the scriptures or if something is hard to understand, let someone else worry about it. You'll, you'll just keep your hands in the air and pray in tongues for three hours. That's not the story either. But Jesus said to them, tarry in Jerusalem, meaning don't go any place until the Holy Spirit is upon you and in you. It's basically what he said. He was already with them. He said that to them. He says he is with you and he will be in you. And so, you know, we don't, again, we don't have a, a, we don't have a line. We can't put a line in the sand and say, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit is on you, over you, but not in you. And are you, if we don't hear you praying in tongues, well, I don't know. I've been taught. The thing is, if your life is spirit-led, that's between you and him. But I just have to say the evidence in scripture has people's praying in tongues. And if you have something different, God bless you. I'm not, I don't have to be the judge of this, but I have to say if it's in the book, I want it. And again, I came in as a little, you know, druggy Jewish kid. I had no, I was never taught against the Holy Spirit. So, you know, one of the great things about being absolutely ignorant to, to really to Christianity was I, I didn't have a preconceived notion that the Holy Spirit was a weird thing or tongues was, I remember at the altar, the night Robin and I got saved at the same moment, and all these people like got their hands on my back, and it was revival days. And so, besides the massage, I was. <laughs> oh, there was one guy, Glenn. Remember? You get finished, you're like all sweaty. And, but anyway, for like an hour, these people are praying to me, and it sounded like angels. I had no issue. I wasn't trying to remember a verse address or anything like that. I, it just made sense to me from the get-go. And I, sometimes when you get raised in church and they, you're taught against something, you, it might take you half your lifetime as a Christian to unlearn, to unlearn those things. And so God, I love the fact that he's able to control alt delete supernaturally. So we don't have to sit there thinking I'm burdened with either remembrance of my sin or remembrance of my church upbringing, which wasn't or lacking or tweaked or weird. I love that, that God's able to just do that. So, so on one hand, Holy Spirit fire, you know, without the accurate alignment with the word, is also an error. They're both errors. You, and we have a friend who used to say, you're supposed to, you're supposed to be upright. You could fall off the horse on either side. You know, when you're, when you're upright, the people who are illegal will say you're a, legal, you're, a legalist. you're a legalist. If you're upright, the people who are legal will say you're illegal. The ones who are legalists, they'll say, no, you, you, you don't obey enough rules. So no matter what you do, someone's going to accuse you of something. So just get over it and keep your eyes on Jesus. And that's why Paul says you don't have to judge these things. You, you, and, and, and no man judges him. Because when you stand before God, it's just going to be you and him. Which is spectacular. It really actually gives you freedom, but it also challenges you to be pressing in. And this is why... I believe, and I'm going to prove that case, I think, over the next few weeks, maybe, that some of the things that God has laid out for us in Scripture are worthy of being questioned. Because anything true will stand up to scrutiny, to holy, humble scrutiny. Everything that is true. And I say this honestly in humility. I so don't know it all, really. And I'm just working this thing out the same way you are. If you ever think something I'm saying is off or tweaked or weird or the gospel according to me, please let me know. I need to know that too. I've had to fine tune things over the years. And, and the day you stop learning is the day you stop advancing. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to keep pressing in. 
Remember, finishing up what we discussed last week, Paul says, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament says, I speak in tongues more than you all. That's pretty blunt. Of course, he says, in public, you're better off speaking words that people can understand than praying in a foreign language. But he doesn't say he's not praying in a foreign language. And he doesn't say that he doesn't build himself up praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude, the Jesus' brother, tells us that too. You strengthen yourself with this Holy <coughs> Spirit-infused lifestyle, and then you all of a sudden the anointing is upon you to prophesy, to, to really understand what's going on. And, and Robin and I thank you, Jesus. We grew up in a crazy, sloppy messy revival church with a lot of errors and wild stuff but we saw power we saw power of god things and we have really i mean you know i wish i felt him more than we do even but i'm just saying i mean i don't know that a day's a day goes by where i'm not feeling the presence of god i want that and we've had some crazy i'm trying to write them down trying to write a list but it was crazy supernatural events in our lives when we get to two weeks from now if you want to look it up now just as a thing, write down these addresses in Deuteronomy. 816, which is my birthday. 82, which is my mom's birthday. And since I was getting rocked by 816, I thought, okay, well, let's see what 82 says. And, and I hate playing Ouija Bible, but I thought, okay, those two scriptures are blowing my mind that they're together. And you can read in between them to see that it goes all over the place between 2 and 16. But the heaven of it, I thought, let me look and see what February 7th might, might be, which is my dad's birthday. So look up Deuteronomy 2, 7, 8, 16, and 8, 2. Tell me God doesn't speak to me in numbers. It's just, I, he wants to mystify us. So I'm not saying it in pride. I'm simply saying he's a mysterious God. He does signs and wonders and miracles. I, I told you last week, I told my Jewish cousin, if you don't believe in miracles, you don't have any right to sit at the Seder table celebrating the Red Sea parting. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, we, are, we got saved miraculously. You're, you're a miracle right now. You are a miracle. And so 1 Corinthians 2, he also says this, um, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. And some people speculate on what the thing is what his physical ailment might have been. But, um, but some people say, gee, was it a speech thing? Moses obviously had a speech thing. And God knew that when he called him. He likes messing with us. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He wrote pages and pages and pages and pages. He didn't say that's all we dwell on. But he says, but the, 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 the yada of that in Hebrew, the, the real intimate knowing is that this man died on the cross and now I'm set free to press into God. I, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of, and of power. How many times have we sat in churches looking for either one of those? Hungry, so desperately hungry for either one of those. That purpose, that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of a man, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. So there's a growing, there's a growing thing that's supposed to be happening on this day by day. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. We know, I've 
taught on mysteries. There are mysteries that have com completely been revealed. Absolutely. Paul talks about it in Ephesians, that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made manifest by the church, might be made known by the church to the powers and principalities. That one's, that one's not a mystery anymore. If you, if you have a puzzle and you can't solve it and someone gives you the solution, now you know how to solve the puzzle. So there are mysteries that have been revealed and they're there for the taking and laying hold of. There's others that sit sealed up. Then he goes on here. But we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. For our glory. Because when, when you're his and you're walking in humility, your glory is his glory anyway. You're glorifying him. For which, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. Had they known, but they didn't know. They would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, this is the human man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed, already done, them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And then this is great. This sounds like a conversational story here, but he's trying to tell us when the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. When the Holy Spirit comes in you and infuses you and baptizes you, um, you get to, you really can receive the mind of Christ. Like if you have been married for any length of time and you know, Robin and I are going on 50 years in March, but I still can't get into her head. She doesn't, she doesn't want to get into mine, but, but I can't get into hers. But the reality is though, you cannot share your spirit with your, with your spouse. That's your spirit. The only one who wants to infuse you with their spirit is God. That's ridiculously glorious, which is why there's so many broken marriages, so many marriages strained and all that. Because first of all, it's sort of like a, a hub with spokes. And, and the two spokes can't interconnect, but they connect at the hub. Mm -hmm. And when both partners are infused with the Spirit of God, it, it's, it's just easier. It's not perfect. It's easier. The Bible talks about two becoming one flesh. It doesn't talk about one spirit. It doesn't do that. Which is so funny when you look and you think, why are we at odds on these things? It's just God's just lighten up on yourselves and just love. You know, like, what was, what was, who, who wrote that song? Love the one you're with. <laughs> Who was that? No, it wasn't Doobie. Love the one you're with? Stephen Stills. Yeah, and you can't be with the one you love. Yeah, here, the music producer's telling me, yeah, yeah, and I'm arguing. Yeah, arguing. Oh, no, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, sure you yeah, know. Yeah. He edits Mariah, he, he produces, or, or something, Mariah Carey's. Albums and I'm telling them who wrote that song. All right, expert in all things, not okay. You just demonstrated. Yeah, I just for what man knows the things of a man except there you go. What men and toys. One man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man who, which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Slow down. Slow down. Okay, I got, we have 40 pages here. I know, but you're <laughs> okay. yeah, And you got forever to get there. So. Now we have received, we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, purpose that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. This is why you want a Holy Spirit infusion. Someone at church was speaking to me, and I, I do this all the time. I go, take your two fingers and lick them and look for an outlet 
in the wall that says Holy Spirit and stick them in there and never take them out. Hmm. Just think. That's what you want. You just think, I want more. You know, I spent years as a druggie and I heard someone say one time, there's no high like the most high. And when I did drugs and it cost lives of friends, I mean, seriously, literally cost lives of friends. But when I did it with my whole heart and I remember thinking, why not? So if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it crazy. I'm going to, and God wired me to be intense, and I'm so grateful that he delivered me and rescued me, and I didn't die with my friends. But I'm just saying that I just want more, and you do too. And this is, that's, I believe this is a generation of people that God has uh, called us up in these days, especially the mature older ones, so we could be seasoned saints who are not so seasoned that we sit still and pontificate, but we're seasoned and we're hearing God fresh and we're able to speak into the young ones that are going to be coming in. This is why we're here. Robin and I, when we, when we had our first kid, I remember holding Liberty, saying she is not going to grow up the way I grew up. This ain't going to happen in my house. And our daughters, are, they're up in the mornings, and one of them's going, they're all, they're both of them are going through tough, challenging stories in their lives right now. They're up every day, reading their Bibles, drinking, praying, drinking coffee, three anointed things. <laughs> I, heard a, I heard a preacher say his wife's holier than him that she starts the day going to what is it? St. Uh, Arbucks <laughs> okay so now we've received not the spirit but so that we might know the things of God these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual and, and this is where we have to give the world a little bit of slack and understanding this. Because we always say, oh, the Jewish people, there's a veil over their eyes. Yes, there is. There's a veil over the world's eyes too. Right. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They just don't know. And we were that, we were that blind too. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. So we have to recognize that. I had a great report, guys. I don't know if I mentioned last week. A guy I led to the Lord seven or eight years ago who was living with, you know, we were friends during my darkest of years. Um, he got saved, and over seven or eight years ago, it was about six months, he sort of stayed saved and sort of drifted away, got hard and cynical and callous and sarcastic. And I just, it's like phone conversation. He, he doesn't live anywhere near me, um, either in L.A. or here. And um, three months ago, I called him. And, and life's really, really got really hard. And I said, you know, I said, you're going you're gonna to meet God soon. And you need to get saved. You, need, you were saved. You had a relationship with him that was brief. You need to get right with him again. And, he, and it was a minute of silence. And he said, I know. And he prayed with me three months ago. And the last three months, I'd call him. I'd go, hey, Mitch, how you doing? He goes, got my Bible open. <laughs> And this guy was strapped in a wheelchair, strapped into a wheelchair. Last week, he went home to Jesus. Three months. Thank you, God. Talk about mercy. His mercy endures forever. Man, the story's not over till they're over. He couldn't receive, and then he could receive. And he received, and he laid hold of it, and he didn't let go. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, that we might instruct. That's not why God gave us his mind, so that we could teach God. That's not the 
thing. That's why most of our prayer reporting to him of all the things wrong on earth is really, is that the way we should be praying? I question that. He already knows. He knows what's going on. He's sovereign. You could rest in that. The more will get accomplished in the place of praise than in the place of listening, than in the place of complaint, although he tolerates us. <laughs> you, know, with, you know, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known. So he definitely wants to dialogue with us. And there are times in scripture, evidence of God even changing his mind a little bit. Like I always say, what would have happened if Hezekiah had not faced the wall and prayed to God about the death sentence that Isaiah gave him? And God gave him 15 more years. What if he hadn't prayed? Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a little bit of a funny little thing going on there. Mm -hmm. So I'm talk, I dialogue with God, but I need to, and more importantly, I need to hear him yes. more than him knowing what's wrong in my life or why my computer isn't booting up. <laughs> <laughs> For who has known the mind? It says, but we have, basically it says, but we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that great, mm -hmm. though? We have that mind. That's available to us. Mm -hmm. It assumes Holy Spirit baptism. This is why we want everything. We want everything that's in Scripture for the saints in these days. In Romans 8, it says, Romans 8, 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. There's a lot of flesh in the church. Well-intended. I'm not even talking about evil, wicked, you know, commercialized religion. I mean, forget that. Let's just say really good people who pray and they read their Bibles, but they're, they're really not infused with a freshness of understanding what God's doing in the now. And so they might have procedure and policy and, and formulas and all that that maybe even worked in the past, but that's not who God is. God is, he's blessed as a man whose heart is set on pilgrimage. That means you're on the walk. You're on the walk. So the deeper I dig into God's word, and particularly into Daniel, the more I'm overwhelmed at what I don't know. Like I'm learning, I, I know more. But I mean, that's, that's, you know, I, I hope, I do. But I'm realizing, wait a minute, some of the things, and, I'm gonna, and it's going to be challenging. If you're new on this podcast, please know, I fear God way too much to try to lead us down a creative bunny trail just so you marvel at my teaching. That is the dumbest, <laughs> most jeopardous thing I could ever do as a believer. But I am questioning some doctrines that basically were given to me almost from day one. I'm starting to question, not holiness, I mean the fundamentals of faith, those are really, those are solid, bet on them. But I'm saying there are things that are spoken in mystery in scripture, and there's things that are uh, spoken to us Speci ridiculously specifically like read the book of Haggai it tells you almost like the, the minute the day the week the hour that this happened the calendar's being pointed to the, the crops aren't in the barn it's too late to plant but I'll bless you anyway but there's all this um, calendrical stuff in, in the book of Haggai so when God wants to be specific he can be gloriously specific it is crazy specific. And when you move in the spirit, you will find yourself in those coordinated incidences. You will find yourself in those supernatural places because you have the mind of Christ. And there have been times like on a whim I've done something and something miraculous happened. I remember flying back east one time to pray for someone who was dying. And and the rest of the day, I, I, my flight was, I didn't know how long the whole thing was going to take. And I had a couple of hours. I was, wasn't even in New York. I was in New Jersey. So I, so I decided to wander around. And, and uh, I ended up in a, in a mall going to buy socks where my mom used to buy me socks. It was very ceremonial. And there, were, there was an opening of a sporting goods store. And these New York Giants were there. And I got to minister to one of them. And God just set something up like crazy. I, I left the mall thinking, God, you're wild. <laughs> 
He's wild. He, uh, the coordinated incidences are what we're supposed to, which we're, look, we're looking at God. We're not looking for coordinated incidents. Mm -hmm. But signs and wonders will follow you if you're following him and you're walking in this freshness. Mm -hmm. So one thing is, is the new things that God's doing and the things he's going to reveal just as a safeguard, they're never going to contradict scripture, which is why you want the word in you. Because the jeopardy is falling off the horse on the other side. Thinking, oh, the Lord led me to rob that bank, or you know, whatever. You know, no, the Lord. You know, seriously, you hear stupid stuff sometimes. You read something, and people go, "The Lord told me to kill my kids." I mean, really, you read these things, but there's demons going on. I've told you guys, read, read *Return of the Gods* by. Uh, Jonathan Kahn. Jonathan Kahn. I said, there's demons running loose on earth right now that we have basically invited back by default by not holding up the standard. We have not turned back the enemy at the gate because yeah. we've been so busy being churchgoers. I remember when I first got saved thinking everybody who's mentioned in Scripture has to be, you know, qualified to, you know, pose for a stained glass window. They're perfect. Then you start reading their lives, listening to their lives, thinking, are you kidding me? It's, first of all, it encourages you that God uses human beings, okay? See, if he used a knucklehead thousands of years ago, he could use one now, raise your hand, just stand in line. But listen to this. I'm not even talking about, like, backslid Saul, who was crazy and freaked out and forced uh, a sacrifice because the prophet was late by three minutes. I'm not even dealing with that because that was wrong, but it was backslid. But how about Sarah? Mama, Jewish mama. <clears throat> Sarah, she couldn't logically or physiologically imagine getting pregnant and having a baby because she was 90. And her husband was 100. So she decides the logical thing to do is he needs a babe. Now, being a good husband, Abraham was willing to comply, of course. <laughs> and he sleeps with the Egyptian. <clears throat> Hagar, and out of that comes the Arab nations. And if you want to go back to our, our studies on Gog and, and Gog versus Agog, as Numbers 24-7 will tell you, and whether you're reading like Septuagint or Masoretic text, what, whatever the basis was for your English Bible. But the, right after, the first couple of centuries after the crucifixion, there was a massive cleanup attempt by the Jewish scholars to try to dissuade people from a scatological direction. Because Jesus had done so much already, and they were, they were disaster managing at that point. And the Masoretic text in the Septuagint, one of them says Agag, the other one says Gog. And when you start reading that, and you start reading Ezekiel, suddenly you understand the whole story of Ezekiel, a whole lot better, like 37, 30, 38, and 39, and you start realizing even this one verse that used to knock me out, because I thought, where is it? Because I know my Bible pretty well, and I'm thinking, it, there's no scripture that you were spoken about by the prophets in times past, until you read Numbers 24-7 correctly, and it's, and it's God. And it, can, it comes out of this, and Sarah is saying to Abraham, Go sleep with the beautiful Egyptian babe. And he goes, okay, honey, just for you. <laughs> and look what we got. Okay, I, who was looking for Jesus? We had all these people studying scripture. They had all these, they, they, had, they had formula for how to, how to read their Bibles, how to read Torah. And, and it's like this much, and, or what do we have now? We have parasha, right? And, and it's your, what do we read today? What do we read this week? How is it, <clears throat> how is it laid out in the Masoretic text, which is, basically what they utilize, 
And they had all this stuff and they knew their Bibles and they knew their Bibles and they couldn't see Jesus. And, and the nutcases, the lunatics, the magi, where we get the word magic. So when I say magical mystery tour, it's kosher. But the magi, they're following stars. They're getting spirit led. God's moving a bunch of people. We don't even know who they are, really. They're Chaldeans. I know Abraham came out of that originally. But the reality is it's like all these people who knew their Bibles are going, crucify him. He broke the law. He broke the law, crucify him. That was a terrible mess. They did it with good intention. Paul, Paul said, when I was Saul, when I was Rabbi Saul, I did it with good intention. I thought I was doing God's service. Jesus said that's going to happen in the last days, that people are going to be murdering saints, saying that they're doing God's service. Talk about whack. This is the climate that we're living in right now. So... <clears throat> He fulfilled over 300 prophecies in the Jewish scriptures, and they couldn't see it. Their eyes were blinded, but at the same time, there was grace there. And I think of, I love the chosen and how they portray Nicodemus. I love it. Amazing, amazing. If someone said to me, hey, you look Jewish, what part do you want to play? I said, I'll be Nick. <laughs> Seriously. You just love that man's heart and this, this burning that's in him. And I, you know, we don't know that rabbis didn't get saved, even then. But I have to think that Dr. Luke, who was so specific in how he wrote things down in the book of Luke and in the book of Acts, which you'll, I think he would have mentioned them. I think, I think the silence there speaks to, didn't seem like there was a whole lot of leadership that really joined the club at the beginning. I think some came later. We know that in scripture, actually. But what, so their lens was religiously cloudy. Their conclusion was to fulfill the law and that because Jesus had blasphemed the law, there was no spirit in them. And God was able to move in, uh, devil, the Satan was able to move in them. So some kind of spirit's going to be in you, especially in these days, which is why Jesus said that there's going to be lying signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. It doesn't say we don't want signs and wonders. He's saying you better know the the real, so that you could identify the counterfeit. And again, church wants to sanitize it, saying we don't want any of that stuff. And that's, that safety is going to be a great jeopardy when someone comes in and starts doing card tricks and they're, and they're Satanized. And these churches go, oh, I never saw that before. You think, yeah, you never saw the real either. So Jesus says this in John 14, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Are we able to say that? John 3, here we go, chapter 1. John 3, verses 1 and 2. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The man came to Jesus by night because he didn't want to be seen coming during the day, probably, and said to him, Teacher, just calling him rabbi was stunning. Yeah. Remember rabbi of rabbis, yeah. old Nick, the rabbi, we, we know that you're a teacher come from God. Whoa. Nicodemus says that to Jesus at night, sneaking around. Not only are you a teacher, but you came from God. And, and why did he say that? For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. This is the Joel 2 outpouring that God is looking to pour out in these days on the saints. <laughs> Not perfect people, but the ones who are filled with the Spirit and are saying, God, what do you want me to do today? I will do it. 
Yeah, it's interruption. Yeah, it's the, you're the God who, you're, you're Baal Peretzim, you're the God of multiple breakthroughs and break-ins. Yes, you're king of the interruptions, divine. I want them. I will do it. I'm on my way. I remember, actually recently, we were on our way home from church, and there's a guy walking down the road, and we had plans, and, and we knew him. I turned around, picked him up, and it was just blessed him. But I thought, there's, there's, and that's like a little thing. I mean, that's not a big thing. I'm just saying, we, you know, we always have a thing to do, places to go, people to see. And then God's saying, am I your God or am I your companion? And that's why happy are the people whose God is the Lord is means the ones who have enthroned him as master. It's not, there's a lot of miserable saints. They know Jesus, but he's not Lord. And we have to know him that way. So the disciples, with their own good intent, they had human understanding and they got it wrong. Luke 4, uh, 24, 18 through 21, the Emmaus Road. So these guys walked it out with Jesus. They walked it out with him. They were there. They were in the garden. Many of these guys were in the garden with him. Not all of them, maybe, but they were in the garden. They, they were there. They were his guys. Then one whose name was Cleopas. So Jesus shows up, and he sort of gives him a little bit of a veil for a minute because he's working with them for our sake <clears throat> so that we could read this this morning. Cleopas, it's funny when you have all these guys with Greek names, it just shows you the influence of Greek society on it. It was a mess. Timothy, that's not a Jewish name. It's crazy, though, but they, they were so embedded in that culture. And someday I'll go through a little thing about why it was written in three languages. John Lake wrote a thing on that. It was amazing. Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only... This, remember, this is during Passover, Pesach, and... All the Jewish men were required to be there. It was a pilgrimage holiday. And he's thinking, the place is packed with people. He says, he's the only guy here who have, and you, and have not known the things which happened in these days. There was like an earthquake. Like the, was it the Council of Hewn Stones crumbled? There was a darkness in the middle of the day. There was a temple veil rent. You didn't hear any of that? Like, what? You know, talk about being under a rock. He goes, no, I was behind a rock. <laughs> and, he, and he says, and you have not known the things which happened in these, there in these days? Jesus, never lying, did say, I don't know. Jesus said to them, what things? <laughs> I love the way he answers it. That's right. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, both. Before God and all the people, he was mighty before the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping, we had been hoping, we identified him as Messiah. The guy's walking on water, raising the dead. The lady's grabbing hold of his robe and she's getting healed. They're going, this is the real deal. <clears throat> and they're going, this is him. This is Messiah. We have found Messiah. And they're saying, well, we figured since he's here, <clears throat> and since we're being oppressed by Rome, I could connect those dots. He's going to set us free. That was the whole plan. See, they thought it was going to be a revived Roman Empire too. <clears throat> That's not true. Anyway, <clears throat> wasn't true then, wasn't, isn't true going forward. But we've addressed that in the past. We'll address it again. But we were hoping, we had this expectation, having known who Jesus was, what he was going to do and when and how, and we thought it was now, and now we're really bummed. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened, and, and they're going, basically in their minds, thinking, he said he was going to come out of the grave, and where is he? And you think, <laughs> dude, you're talking to him. <laughs> so it didn't fit their good intention. That was New Testament. Then we have this one, another good intention, a good thought about how God is working. So let me make an assumption. Luke 
24:44 through 49. Then he, Jesus, said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, <clears throat> that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. That's, he's basically talking about Matthew 5, jots and tittles. He goes, everything to the point of the first advent. Now, everything hasn't been fulfilled because he spoke Matthew 24 to them, and that was all about coming back later. So up to that point, everything that had to be, was required to be fulfilled up to the point of not yet ascension, not yet ascension, all those things were fulfilled. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And basically he's going, here I am. <laughs> and that repentance, can you imagine hearing this from him? Then it says he opened the scriptures to them. I thought, I, how'd you like to be in that Bible study? <laughs> that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but don't go anyplace till you get lit up. Don't just go out with good intention because it never worked in the past and it's not going to work in the future and the world has seen it not working. When you go to Ezekiel 39 and you start, you know, it's that, that's the slap the side of your head, scriptures, the Jews will know this, the Gentiles will know this, it'll all come clear. The address 3728 has an easy 3728. The nations will know that I, the Lord, sanctified uh, Israel when, when my sanctuary is in her midst forevermore, meaning not till then. So there's things that the world doesn't see now, which is why the world hates Israel right now. And it's going to get worse. And God's using that to draw the Jews to him in these days. Not because he hates them, it's because he loves them. Because he's faithful to his covenant. If he wasn't faithful to the Jews, he's not. how are you betting his Gentiles? That he's going to be faithful to you. And look at the church. It's a miracle. There's, there's still a church. Church doesn't deserve to be alive any more than the Jews. Look what we've done. And God's saying, no, I got you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Just you don't leave or forsake me. That won't go well. Later, Dr. Luke tells us this in Acts, in, man, I'm halfway there, oh my goodness, in Acts 1. <clears throat> but we're making progress. We, I, we are moving forward, right? To get there. What's that? You have forever to Thank get there. you. <laughs> I guess she means I'm going to be alive forever, that this one's not going to, uh, never well, you're not dying before No. <laughs> I'm dragging this out so the Lord keeps me alive. <laughs> As I get older, I'm going to go too big. It's like a cliffhanger, you know? <laughs> Well, in about eight years, I'm going to be finishing this now. <laughs> Acts 1, chapter, verses 4 through 8. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he, he, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, meaning legit. Mm -hmm. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time? That was wrong, too. They just didn't know. They didn't have the 2,000-year chunk of history that we have. They had prophecy. We are prophecy in history. Right. We still have prophecy that's yet sealed. So for us to go forward and start trying to figure certain things out, it's just going to wrap you around the axle or send you deeper into the prophetic swamp. <laughs> what you want is the intimacy of knowing God every day. It's such a great relief. You press in and you're relieved at the same time. Are you at this time? Now, oh, now I get it. 
now I finally get it. Okay, I get it now. Now, are you going to restore the kingdom? I th we, the guys on the road to Emmaus, they thought it was before you got crucified because that's all we thought that you weren't going to have to die. We didn't read all those scriptures. We didn't understand Isaiah 53. We didn't understand looking on the Jews looking on the one whom they've pierced. We, hadn't, we didn't know all that stuff. And now they're going, oh, now we understand those. Now are you going to restore the kingdom? And he's going, dudes, dudettes. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Again, not a get-out-of-knowing card. He's just saying, just here, this is what I want you to do. But I'm trying to light you up. <laughs> you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you're going to be my voice and my hands and my feet and my heart and my eyes and my mouth around the whole world. And, in, and you're going to be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and then just like ripples, a ripple effect. And in all Judea and then Samaria and to the end of the earth. He says, you just get filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, I have a plan that's so much better than your plan. My timing is perfect, and your clocks are all off just a little. So point to note, they were to wait in Jerusalem. It's a model for us, but it's specific to that group. So I'm not saying it's for us to know, and I think there's more things that we know now because we have 2,000 years, and I talk about David Barron, a hundred and some odd years ago, a Jewish believer, a messianic in England who was a mighty man of God saying, nope, there's going to be an Israel. Nope, there's going to be a Jerusalem. And all that names were whacked out in the past, and, and how long was it overrun? Tour guide? Jerusalem? Yeah. Many times. Uh, How many years? More than a, five years? A couple of thousand years? Yeah. I'm talking about 1900 years. Yeah. Who built the wall around the city? Was it a Jew? No. 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 It was crazy. And they had no clue. Did you not, you not know? <laughs> no. Herod the Great? No, it wasn't. Like a ritual, so the guy with the big hat. I got that picture. Oh, the Ottoman. Yeah, the Ottoman. Yeah. 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 See, and I always thought Ottomans were... These things you put your feet on, but he had Suleiman. a big hat. Suleiman. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's it. That's what it was. But the point is, is that it's not for you to know. He said, don't worry about what I'm telling you to do. Our pastor used to say, we, we were hungry for knowledge, which is honorable, but we already know more than we're doing. So we just want to be doing that. So in the fear of the Lord, I'm going to say things that many, that many want to press into and try to establish actual dates and I think it's functionally worthless. Functionally worthless. Mm -hmm. And there's people I know who I respect, who I've learned from and I've been ministered to by their writings, and some of them want to tell me when it's coming. And I think none of us have the whole picture. And I also believe, considering way more than just writings that, that I've emailed you in the last two weeks, which are really sort of scattered and accumulated and it's not cohesive, but some of them are, they're looking at, there's prophecies that we're going to look at in Daniel 9. When we get there, those last four verses, and people say, oh, it was an edict from someone during the days of Daniel. And it's actually starting to look like it might have been an edict of Julius Caesar, which literally links him and the, the whole Roman occupation to the return. And I'm starting to, and Dan Bruce, I've mentioned his name before, I heartily recommend you, you get dig into at least a little bit of the book, um, Daniel Unsealed. And I don't think he, I don't know that he has everything right. And I'm not necessarily saying that I'm stunned 
by what this man has pressed into and how he's done it. And some of the charts and graphs which are like make your brain fall out your ear. I'm stunned by it, but but it but it coordinates and it's chronospecific. And you guys know I have had a whole bunch of crazy things in my own life. I've been obsessed with time. Early on in my Christian walk, I've had some crazy timing events. I've told you some of the stories. But when I saw the words chronospecific, I got, that was like a hook in my jaw. And I thought that would be it. A God doesn't do things like sort of about. It's, like, it's not close enough. I read commentaries by famous people in the past that said, well, it could be 487 years or 83 years or 73 years, even though it only took three years. I'm reading this thinking, are you kidding me? And the, a lot of our doctrines that we have heard from get-go are based on assumptions that are unable to be proven in scripture or in history. And this guy, Dan Bruce, who's a nut, I was laying in bed last night praying, thinking I, I gotta meet this guy before he goes home to be to his reward, I love him. And I've been trying to do it, but he's been locked down because of COVID for years. And I think he's coming out of his cave now. But meanwhile, we're told that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and I, do a little bunny trail here for a minute. What time is it? Good. Okay. <clears throat> There's a scripture. There's a word. It's labas or lavas. And it means like putting something on like a glove. You know how we talk about demonic possession? <clears throat> well, devil's never invented anything. So it has to be a kosher version. <clears throat> when the spirit of God came upon Gideon, the word is used labesh or labas or lavas. It basically says the Holy Spirit put him on like a glove. Mm -hmm. And the glove doesn't have its own will. But the hand of God was in Gideon, who ended up goofy, by the way. He, another one of those people. But nonetheless, when the Spirit of God was upon him, he started moving exactly the way God moved. And that, we're looking to get possessed. Possessed by God. You want to be so filled with the Spirit of God that that overrides everything. You want, you, you want, you want to be the glove and you want him in you moving like that. And that's what he's, God's looking for. These people in Romans 8 who are led by the Spirit of God. Which is exactly why he says, if you're in the flesh, you can't please him. He didn't say, you're committing sin, you're living in fornication. He's not going there. He's talking to brethren. He's saying, you're living holy, but you're doing it without the Spirit. And we can't be there in these days. And including my own small walk, but I've I've seen my desperate need for the power of God in my life, and I've experienced a little. I want more. I've seen supernatural healings. I want more. I've been in prophetic places. I want more. You want more. That's why we're here, because we want more, and that's why we cry out. We ask God for rain in the time of latter rain. <clears throat> so you know, I've seen God to a degree, but God working in the natural and the supernatural, and as I press in. I'm, I'm more filled with him, and I want to be less filled with me. That's like crazy when you think of it, but you want to be more filled with him. And, and when you meet someone who's full of God, it, you don't really come off thinking he's a strong person. You want him to think he's strong in God. That's what's impressive. And I've said before, it's just like in the book of Acts when they looked at these unlearned men and they knew they'd been with Jesus. You will never counterfeit prayer, having spent time with God in prayer. You, you can even counterfeit knowing your Bible. I know people who could recite everything. It means nothing if the Spirit of God's not in you. So all this to say, I continue learning. I'm more intrigued and humble by what I don't know. I'm just seeing more because I'm pressing in more. I'm understanding more. And the things that I bring forth Saturdays 
I'm not bringing forth all the stuff that I'm pressing into because God's called me to do it. And it's a lot of work, but I love it because God's given me grace to do this. But it's going to take us through some of my God-fearing, word-trembling thoughts and then forward. And that's what I'm saying now is that some of the things we're going to be questioning in these four verses, I'm just questioning and I'm not saying Dan Bruce got everything right. I know things he has wrong in, in humility. And once again, the background he came out of as a man of God and he ra was raised holy. And, you know, I was raised as a little Jewish boy without were very sort of very much reformed, maybe conservative. I don't think I could even give myself that much credit after our conversation yesterday. You sound like me. Same kind of thing, Hebrew school, bar mitzvah, and that's about it. And maybe uh, Yom Kippur, you went to synagogue and showed up. But did you have more than that? That was it? That's about it. Yeah, man. So, but I'm just saying, I, I'm going to, that's why I'm, I, all this, these weeks of buildup is the fact that I want us praying and I want us filled with God. Here's some comforting things about not knowing, okay? Daniel 12. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. It, the word kes is pointing to an extremity of a border, the very, very end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. That, inc that increase is not necessarily bad knowledge. We're able to research things now that no one could research. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable to be able to type in mikvah and get like 47,000 articles in three seconds. <laughs> like Google, I mean, it's anointing. It's not just porn. <laughs> it's not just lies. I mean, it's like amazing things. Knowledge is good. Just don't worship it. Daniel 12. And then he says, 12.9, go your way. Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. He says it twice, in like five verses, five verses apart. He says, the things are sealed up. Here, this one's crazy. Revelation 10, verses 4 through 7. And we're skipping over the little, little words. Now, verse 4. Now, when, this, there's a time marker. It's a prophetic marker. When. When means when. It's a time. When the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write. So he's having this experience on Patmos. He's caught up into the heavenly realms. And these guys, these seven thunders, are, about, are uttering their voices. I'm about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and, uttered and do not write them. At the beginning of the book of Revelation, John is told to write everything down. And then he's told this. So he's writing down. I'm writing down that I was told there's something not to write down because he's in the spirit. And he's being obedient to what's going on in his life. And then he says here, and it just goes on, these little verses, but in the days of the sounding of the seventh trumpet, so it tells angel. you when, seventh. angel, sorry, in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, so it sounds a little bit prior to him sounding. It doesn't say when, the, when he's, it's not that, when he's about to sound. And I've heard people speak at churches going, <clears throat> the trumpet is to his lips. And I can't argue one way or the other. I'm just saying, I heard it years ago. But, but we're getting close. We're, the, the clock is ticking now. When the angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. There won't be any more mystery. We're going to see him face to face. He's coming in the clouds. The dead in Christ rise first, and then those who are here on earth going through all this, not raptured many years earlier so you can get your reward early. But while we're down here, yeah, leave it to the new Jew converts to try to save the world. No. He says, I want seasoned, Holy Ghost-filled people, Jew and Gentile alike, on earth preaching a gospel and moving in signs and wonders and power 
all the way through to the two witnesses who have the, the, the freedom from God to call fire down whenever they will, which was more than the disciples had, because they asked Jesus, do you want us to call fire down? But those two guys are going to be so sold out to God. They're going to be so in alignment with the Spirit of God in their lives that they have, God says, I can trust you to call fire down whenever you want, because my will is your will. Whoa. Those are the people, those are the great exploit people. I want to be a great exploit person. So do you. But in the days of the sounding, okay, of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God will be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. That's speaking of the Old Testament. It's in the Jewish verses. And of course we have Jesus confirming Daniel as an end times prophet and advising us particularly at the time of the great final troubling, shaking tribulation in Bible speak to go read Daniel. He says, go read Daniel. And remember, again, the Jewish people, they don't even have the writings of Daniel in the prophets because they, they wanted to put him, set him a little lower so he's in the Jewish scriptures in the writings. He's not even, in the, not even there. And Jesus is going, no, he's a prophet. So I'd rather believe the one who saved me than what these scribes and rabbis determined in the first couple of centuries after the cross. And they're trying to, let, let, oh, we'll just keep writing because we're gifted writers and gifted speakers, and we'll just keep writing, and we'll sort of steer you away from this Jesus guy, and this thing will pan out. It hasn't panned out, because he's not going to get stopped. So meanwhile, the mystery cloaked and controversial Daniel 9, okay, 70 weeks prophecy, has theologians all over the map when it comes to fulfillment timing. Some think, all the, some think that all the weeks are in the past and have been accomplished. I think they might have been, quite frankly. Because we have even taken the word as weeks, and the word in Hebrew is not weeks. It's one of the definitions of the word. It has to do with sevens, and it has to do with shin, and it has to do with Shabbat and Shalom and Shabbat, and it has to do with something very powerful, and we'll sort of end with Leonard Nimoy in a few minutes. If every jot and tittle will be fulfilled, said Jesus 2,000 years ago, and if the Bible teaches to think also, oh, and some think, most of the weeks have been fulfilled and some think there's a week waiting and that the clock stopped because there wasn't an Israel. But now we start looking at the time of since there was an Israel and if you start trying to lay out the, the prophetic time frame for what this Israel should be, we're past that time now. So people were actually doing like a year countdown from like the 19, you know, 1947 and, and, we're getting, and we're past that already. So these things are proving to be faulty. And I remember when I got saved, Jewish kid, no clue, never read Revelation, never read any of the stuff. And 70 weeks, first time you read this, someone tells you, and I'm a blank sheet of paper. I go, uh-huh. That's right. That's what we do. We just think 70 weeks. And, and then they don't fit, but they fit right up to Jesus. All of these guys who are really praying and have it right go right to the birth of Christ. There's no question about that. There's no argument. We know who was cut off. But there's certain things we're going to look at are going to stun you as to what Mashiach means. What the anointed will, who's, who's called Mashiach in scripture. And we'll get to those, we're going to get to it this morning, I don't think so. And then, okay, all that to say, the saints being filled with the Spirit of God each and every day, striving for greater measure of the infilling by allowing God to do the deeper work by surrender and pressing in, okay, we're going to, we're going to be in a place to understand these things. Daniel 11, 32 says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he, the Antichrist, Gog, a.k.a. Gog, he shall corrupt with flattery. 
However, but the people whom Yada, their God, shall be strong and carry out great exploits. We're also the ones fully depleted. If you read Zephaniah, where, when the you know when the when the people are at the are absolutely empty, but we're going to be doing amazing things in these days. But this outpouring, this Joel two outpouring, which was quoted again and proclaimed at the upper room, it started with fire falling from heaven, and that's what God's called us into in these days. And now some of the following notes, and I'm going to end here. But some of the following notes in 2021, I taught Daniel. It was the last time I taught. I never thought, I didn't even remember that when the Lord told me to teach it now. And here we are, the timing, I was in Daniel 8, the October 7th, I mean, no, it's crazy. But the, the notes were from 9-11-2021. It was the 20th anniversary of the attack. And it's sort of interesting because literally the same people that God has used in the past, utilized in the past, to discipline by military engagement the same people that he's used all through history he used to take down the towers and we go back to our ezekiel study so we're going to end here this morning Whew. okay that's okay that's a good place all right lord thank you god for your word thank you we could be here now god thank you holy spirit for your presence in our lives and again lord we ask you to fill us afresh Fill me afresh, God. Yeah. Pour your spirit out, God. We want to be emptied of self so that you might fill us to the rim and brim, to overflowing, God. We, we, we want to give out of the Holy Spirit so we could receive pressed down and running over. God, not just stuff, but you. We want to be that filled, God. God, we, I pray, God, all the things that you've provided in Scripture, everything that you've given to us, and God, we want it. We want it all, whether it's been misused or abused or neglected or taught wrong in our lives, God. Uh, God, we forgive those people. And God, say, we want the truth in our lives, the spirit of truth burning in us, God, as, uh, as lit ones, God, the, uh, the anointed ones, the, the, the fire, the fire people in these days, God that you could be glorified in us, that our response time would be reduced, God. And it would be more about you and less about us. And God, if anything I said was wacko, cockeyed, or the gospel according to me, again, it would be deleted. And what was you, you God, would, uh, would resonate in our spirits, God. And so, Lord, as we unmute our mics, God, uh, we want to uh, say a, a hearty amen, God, that we agree with your plans and your purposes in these days, God, and your saints said, Amen. Is anybody out there saying yes to God?